0: This podcast is produced by Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency. The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast, focuses on inspiring you through stories of those we've helped through our programming or by linking local resources to community members in need. Join us as we learn about the programs offered through NMCAA and how we touch people's lives every day. Hello and welcome to The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast. We are so happy you're here. I'm your host, Erica Austin, and marketing manager at NMCAA. Today I have guest co-host Ryan Buck of New Leonard Media here with me. Welcome and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We're honored for you to be here.
1: It's a pleasure to be here and what you do is uh, particularly a passion point for me, so... uh... Thank you for having me yeah. as a team member today.
0: Of course, of course. Um, and so we are excited to be here today recording the first time of the Collective Us podcast. Our mission is to provide you with inspiring stories of people in our community, feature programs offered through NMCAA, and give you some insight into ways we can help you or your neighbors through different phases in life. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: But it's doable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right,
1: let's get into it.
0: Awesome. So today, to kick things off, our guest is Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency's Executive Director, Carrie Bachman. Thanks for being here, Carrie.
2: Thank
1: you for being here.
2: Thank you both. I'm super excited to be here. I can't believe this is, you know, we're entering into this realm of um, having our own podcast. And I'm so appreciative of the support to do this because, you know, part of our mission is to get the message out and to say what we're doing and to let people know we're here. And so this is a great uh, opportunity to do that. And I thank you for... uh, letting me be the guest on the very first ever podcast. It
0: wouldn't be anybody else, (laughs) Kay. So let's start off with a little bit of history of community action. There are nearly 1,000 community action agencies across the U.S., and they've been around since the 60s, beginning with President LBJ's Economic Opportunity Act of 1964 as a part of the War on Poverty. So tell us, as executive director, what does community action mean to you?
2: Well, thanks for that question, because... Community action means so much. And I think it all starts with your question in this really long, rich history throughout the nation. It's been about 60 years since the origin of community action. And so much has changed in that time and so much has stayed the same. And I think, you know, recognizing that, At the very beginning, in 1964, the creators of Community Action got it right. They understood what was needed to really make change in a community, and they structured Community Action to do just that. So I think that history is so important to me. It goes back to Sergeant Stryver, the first director, and really recognizing that to fight poverty and to deal with issues, it really has to happen at the local level. So out of those very first early days of community action, you saw programs like Vista, the Volunteer in Service to America program, and Job Corps and Head Start. So all of these really important programs that we still see today came out of that origin story of community action. And I think, you know, one of the things I think is so critical and that they got so right at the very beginning was making sure that we give voice to the communities and the people who live in them to tell us what they need. That is critical to know what's going on. Each community is different. There are things that I think we share in terms of some of our struggles, but each community has the right and the opportunity to say, this is what we need as a community. And community action is structured to hear those voices and respond to them. You know, when you go back to the history, that very notion resulted in a lot of pushback. A lot of people weren't super happy about putting decision-making in the hands of individuals at the community level.
1: That's fascinating because you have the idea of them getting it right and listening to constituents, which that doesn't normally happen. So that's heartening, right? They got it right. And they listened to those who would be served.
2: Exactly. Yeah, they got it right. And I think, you know, that says a lot to oh, the fact that we're still here today doing what we do. I'm really mm-hmm. proud of that. When you ask me the question, what does community action mean? It means being responsive and it means listening. And I think part of that comes through another part of community action that I'm particularly proud of, which has to do with our structure of our governance, our board. You know, shortly after community action was formed, an amendment was passed to make sure that our board had a tripartite board. It had... Locally elected officials, private citizens who were interested in the issues that we were addressing and talking about, and then consumers, people who actually use our program that could serve in a governing capacity to let us know how we were doing and what we weren't doing well, and so we could be responsive to them. So that structure remains, and it's unique in many ways to Community Action and I think that's another point I want to highlight to say, they got it right. They got it right from the get-go.
0: Yeah, that's it's
1: possible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of also takes us back to just the local aspect. NMCAA came to be in 1974, servicing 10 counties across the Northwest Michigan region. So can you give us a little more background on NMCAA as an
2: organization? Sure. sure. So right now, there are 27 community action agencies in Michigan, and so... Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency is one of those, one of that larger network throughout the state and throughout the nation. As I think you mentioned earlier, there's approximately 1,000 community action agencies serving over 99% of the country. Here, our history, it starts out in 1974, and it's a merger of three entities. It's a merger of one cap, which included the counties of Missaukee, Roscommon, and Wexford. 4CAP, which included Antrim, Benzie, Grand Traverse, Kalkaska, and Leelanau, and then the addition of Charlevoix and Emmett County, which makes our 10-county region that we serve today. And when I heard the history for the first time, I kept thinking, what is 1CAP? What is 4CAP? You know, I thought, well, maybe it's the number of counties. Uh, (laughs) Clearly, that's not the case. So I spoke to another executive director who has been in her position for a long time in the state. And she told me that those were the designations in the state of community action. So 1CAP was the first entity granted community action status in the state. And that was Common, Masaki and Wexford County. So 1974, we merged and, you know, kind of created a giant footprint in Northwest Michigan.
0: That's awesome. I didn't know that before. So thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, no problem. It took me a little while to find the answer yeah, to that, that was a mystery. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when we first started out, you know, in in 1975, we had about 24 employees. So we got 10 counties, we got 24 employees, and we had a a lot of traveling. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We had a budget of about $265,000. In 2020, we had about over 330 employees and a a budget of about $25 million. So the growth between 1975 and, and now is pretty substantial. Wow. That's incredible. And you
1: need a lot in order to grow, in order to sustain. You talked about people, and there are so many programs that are offered at NMCAA and the wide breadth of things that you can do. What is keeping everyone busy right now?
2: Well, it's May 2nd, so we are just wrapping up tax season. So free tax preparation is one of the programs that's offered through our Financial Management Services Department. And uh, we see a lot of traffic, which is great, over a uh, few months period of time in our attempts to reach our goal, which this year was 3,000 tax returns, which I think we're going to achieve and surpass.
1: Do you set those goals?
2: Um, our funders set the goals right. with our help. So we tell wow. them you know, what we think they can do. They gave us some money to try to reach that goal. And if we do it well, you know, hopefully we get that money back again next year. Wonderful. So it looks like we're going to hit the target this year. Last year was a little bit slower because of the sort of coming out of the pandemic. And we did about 2300 last year. But even with that amount, we were able to put... $6.7 million in credit and refunds back into the community. So tax season is wrapping up and we still have people coming in and they're still welcome. It's past the deadline, but we can still help. So they're still coming through the door. I think another area where we're really busy right now is our housing and energy efficiency services department, and we call it mm-hmm. HES, mm-hmm. And it really <laughs> is the department within our organization that addresses needs that we have in homes for health and safety. So Someone might um, have some issues going on. They might have really high utility bills, heat. There might be a really bad draft coming through the upstairs, whatever the case may be. And we can work alongside, try to figure out what the issues are and then try to figure out what kind of programs we can wrap around the home to make it safer and healthier. And so we have weatherization program expanding right now. We're doing weatherization services, energy audits, weather stripping, insulation, Things like furnace, water heater, and fridge tune-up or repair. But we're also doing other projects, home rehab projects in the home. So there's a new focus coming out of the pandemic. And as a result, I guess, as a, a reaction to the larger housing crisis that we're experiencing, part of that has to do with existing housing stock. And so we're here to help homeowners and renters who needs some help with their current residents and making it safer and healthier. So again, we're trying to get the word out there. Reach out, find out you know, how we can help if you have any questions about those services that we offer.
1: And just having yeah. housing is always a gift and, and having shelter and things that people work for. But again, there are individuals here who struggle with things like this. Safety is a concern, especially in inclement weather, extremes. So if anybody has questions about that, there's so many services, what's the best way to engage? You you can just go to the website and things like that, right?
2: Right. You can just go to the website. There's lots of opportunities to connect through our website, which is www.nmcaa.net. Right. Or just call the desk in any one of our offices. We have an office in Petoskey, an office in Cadillac, and an office in Traverse City. And if you just call our front desk and let us know how we can help, we can connect you with the programs and services that you need.
1: Right, because that's critical just to know. So yeah, not bad to continually talk about that, how to connect, how to connect.
2: Yeah, and there's so many, right? Right. When you look on the website, there's so many services and things that we offer. people just
1: feel desperate, just want a a lifeline of some sort and knowing that there's somebody there is I think helpful.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, Gets to one message that I would want to share would be just reach out. You know, you you may not know if you qualify for a service or if this service is what you are interested in, but just reach out and and talk to somebody. And, you know, we can help navigate our services and we can also help navigate the community. Maybe there's a, a resource in the community that would be helpful and we're there to support that connection.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So keeping with uh, keeping busy right now, one thing I've been hearing a lot of chatter about in the office is also Head Start and recruitment and things like that. So can you talk more a little bit about that? Sure,
2: sure. So this is the time of the year that we really are gearing up for fall for our classrooms and letting people know that we have openings in our classrooms, and to apply now. So we offer Head Start, which serves children and families of three to five years old, and then Early Head Start, families with children prenatally to age three. In classroom settings, in home visiting services, so there's a lot of options there. But I guess bottom line, there's supports for child development and supports for family. And so I'm going to go back again to the getting it right. You know, Head Start came out uh, in 1964 as well, first, I think the first program was about an eight-week program in 1965. And it was a comprehensive program that looked at emotional needs, physical health, nutrition, educational needs, and family well-being. So that really comprehensive approach to supporting kids, knowing that kids grow up in a context of a family or a household, or however you define that. And so to really um, have an impact in those really important years. It takes that big picture. And so, you know, right now it's it's recruitment for fall. And so if you are interested in seeing if you qualify for a classroom or learning more, again, you can go to our website. You can apply online. There's a link and you can give us some basic information and we'll contact you and take it from there.
1: Carrie, one thing that really strikes me that you've been talking about is getting it right and listening to those who you serve. And I know you do a community needs assessment, which I think is great. You have to engage the community in a lot of different ways and in real ways. Are there things that rise to the top when you do those things? Is anything really coming to the top right now as high priority lists from the guests you serve?
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, when we get the data, there were no surprises in our last community needs assessment, which we completed just about almost two years ago now. But you really get to see the face of the struggle you know child care of course is at the top is trying that, to yeah it's mm. it's right up there trying to find if you have a young child and you're working uh, you know the struggles of planning for that and getting on wait lists and not knowing uh, particularly you know for infant and toddler care whether you're going to be able to get in somewhere I feel like um,
1: that's a surprising thing for anybody to hear in a small community like ours that has a sheen on it that that could be a top challenge for individuals and families.
0: Yeah. As a newly working mom, um, I definitely went through that struggle. So both of my kids, you know, were on wait lists for probably about a year. I mean, it was easier, obviously, for the older, you know, my son Mm -hmm. is four, so it was easier to get him in, but my daughter is less than one. So getting her in somewhere was definitely more difficult. So Yeah,
2: yeah. And, you know, so much of um, where we are right now, like trying to get back to work and fill the jobs that we have openings for in our community depends so largely on having quality child care services. So that was a top community need. And I think in our response to that, we are continuing to expand in our provision of infant and toddler care classrooms. So we've opened a few in the last couple of years because we know this is a huge need area and we're continuing to try to direct resources so we can have more classrooms available. What do you mean by a classroom? So it's a, we call it a classroom and that's probably some of our own lingo coming Mm -hmm. through, but it really is a center-based setting for caring for infants and toddlers. It's not in a home, like a lot of home settings, which we need more of those too, but these, you know, are often buildings that we own where we can provide services. We're often in schools where we may have a Head Start classroom for three to five-year-olds. And then we can also have a classroom in that space for birth to three. And, you know, what a great transition for families to be comfortable with the staff and be comfortable with the setting for those five years and have the space. So, yes, when I say a classroom, that's my lingo for um, wow. just providing that center-based Wow, really services. extraordinary
1: for to know that there's real and tangible learning and giving to families that way.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of groups coming together at the community level, all kinds of partners trying to solve this issue and trying to work towards strengthening the pipeline to the workforce for early childhood professionals. So, you know, this, that was, you know, right on the top of the list with housing when we got our community needs assessment yeah, Did results. housing
1: come up? Was that big? big? Yeah. yeah. And not to say that it sounds like a foregone conclusion, but, uh, Do you have some insight you can share on the housing perspective that came back and what you're doing?
2: Well, I think, again, I think it was one of those, you know, not a surprise. Everyone's been working on solving the housing crisis, and it's got lots of complexity to it. You know, like I mentioned earlier, part of our role in the larger housing equation is home rehab, like working to support the existing structures that are out there to make them safe and healthy. I'd also like to mention the fact that Our organization has a lot of programs designed for those who are experiencing homelessness in the community, including veterans and their families. And so we have a call center. So anyone in the region that is facing and experiencing homelessness can call our number. And I'm going to give it to you right now because it's important. It's one 844 900 500 and through that, you will leave a message and we will call you back and talk with you about your situation and work with you with the variety of services that we offer to provide shelter and to provide support. It's not building new houses, it's not workforce housing, but it's a part of the larger housing issues that we're trying to make better in our communities.
1: And it's not just about the physical structure. It's not just about the roof over the head or collective heads. It's about stability as a a person, as a human. It's about gathering that stability inwards and feeling like a part of the community even more so that way.
2: Right, exactly. And it's about having programs and services that can provide you with another human being to help you navigate and to provide supports and resources through case management. so, So I think that gets to another important point about what we do, and that's relationships having relationships with each other, with those that we serve in the community, because that's where the work happens. And that's where change can happen is through relationships. So to your point, exactly, Ryan. And kind of touching on relationships,
0: one of our biggest programs that I don't know that we've mentioned yet is Meals on Wheels. And so that also kind of goes along with our other food programs. You know, we have, um, you know, we call it TFAP Mm -hmm. and CSFP. Those are the the acronyms. acronyms for them. So we have the Emergency Food Assistance Program yep. and also Commodity Supplemental Food Program. Yeah, Um, sorry about that. No, that's impressive. It is. (laughs) Acronyms are tough. Are (laughs) acronyms a thing? Do you have fun with acronyms? Oh, absolutely. You come in the office, you don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) I
2: know, and I I work so hard at it. I work so hard at you know when we're having a board meeting or when I'm preparing things. (laughs) Not (laughs) to have acronyms, it is so hard. It it Um, feels quicker. But I just, I always say, call us out. Let us know that you don't Mm, know what we're talking about because it's important that we're not talking in a language that people don't understand and these acronyms will do that in a heartbeat.
0: So as far as the food programs go, food insecurity is a pretty big issue that we work on daily as well. I know that COVID was giving us some funding for those programs. So now that those funds are coming to an end, how is that being impacted?
2: Good question, because that was another one of those top issues in our community needs assessment, food insecurity. And, you know, again, we have a great community and uh, we have so many partners coming together regularly to talk about systems and to try to make sure that basic need is met for everyone that lives in northwest Michigan. So you mentioned Meals on Wheels. In four of our counties, Leelanau, Grand Traverse, Wexford, Misaki, we provide the Meals on Wheels program both in a congregate setting. So for that socialization opportunity and home delivery. That program, and I know that spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> Podcast 2 will be focusing on that, um, so I won't go too deep, but it's, as Lisa will say when she gets there, it's more than a meal. Mm-hmm. It's so much more in terms of companionship and health checks and, you know, the stories of how much the drivers that deliver those meals mean to the individuals that are homebound. I'm sure you will hear some really great ones next time, but that program is so vital for so many in our community. And so, like you said, some of the supports that have been offered during COVID to support making sure that everybody gets the food that they need are falling away. So programs like Meals on Wheels, programs like TFAP, the Emergency Food Assistance Program, which delivers quarterly large boxes of shelf-stable food. I'm gonna put a number out there and I can't remember if it's 100% correct, but I think we were up to about 70 pounds worth of food in each box delivered quarterly. And if you go on our website, you can see the distribution schedule. So every county has at least one distribution site where you can come through with your car and get this large box of food to help you just take the edge off for the next few months. And then you also mentioned our commodity supplemental food program. And that's a similar type program, and it's targeted for 60 and older, and uh, that's delivered monthly. So again, we have distribution sites throughout our region where folks can come pop the trunk of their car, and we will put the box of food in there and, and drive away and just know that this will help take the edge off for the next month.
0: Yeah, and I believe both of those programs are 10-county wide for our region. Exactly. Yeah, thanks so, for pointing that yeah. out, because
2: sometimes some of our programs are specific to yeah. only a few you know, of our counties. Most of them are for the 10 counties. So yeah. those two programs, um, unlike Meals on Wheels, which we're in four counties, are available in all 10 counties. And we have a, a large warehouse in Cadillac, where we get the food and we get volunteers to sort of make an assembly line and pack the food all the time. Anybody wants to see uh, you know, what that looks like is welcome and as a volunteer, and uh, you can pack food boxes and Cadillac with us. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm really excited to talk to Lisa when she's here because of that element that almost we talked about a brand to it that helps get the message out that, oh my goodness, that's associated with NMCAA and real people. And Carrie, your passion is very palpable. You're a real person here doing real work. And I feel like if I call on a good day, I could get you. Probably (laughs) not because you're busy, but I feel like you really care about the service that your guests and clients get. So what happens when I call? NMCAA. How do I find out about other programs I might be interested in? And what is your philosophy on the service culture at NMCAA?
2: Thanks. I appreciate you sort of recognizing that in me, but in the organization, really, because it really is a reflection of the attitude and the approach of the organization as a whole. I mean, it's about caring. It's about positive human connection. Like I've said in the past, uh, many times, We don't have everything everybody needs, not even close, but there are some areas we can really provide good help and we can really connect people that come to us to other services. We can really have a positive interaction in the process. So yeah, at the very core, that's what it's all about to me. But if you call, say you call our frontline and we can be reached at 800-632-7334. That's the main reception desk in Traverse City. If you call, and let's just run through a scenario. You may be calling for tax prep. So this may be a couple months ago, and you're calling (laughs) to see if you can get your taxes prepared. And we help you make an appointment with one of our qualified tax preparers. And you sit down with that individual. You're going to start out by completing just a brief survey. You probably won't even know that you're completing it. It's probably just a conversation, but it's called Community Connections. And it really is about finding out, are there other services that we have that you can benefit from? So in this scenario that we're pretending, let's say you have young children and you talk about the child care needs that are happening in our community, so we're able to say, hey, why don't we see after this if we can connect you to one of our recruiters with Head Start and you can complete an application and see if you qualify for one of our programs. You might get into the program, so the next fall you find yourself with a three-year-old starting Head Start, which is a big milestone, and in the course of being involved, you know, you're working with the teacher, you're working with a family engagement specialist, helping you understand what your family needs and set goals. And in the course of that, you're trying to become a homeowner. So we may start connecting you to one of our financial management services budget counselors, who's going to work with you to secure down payment assistance or to start an individual development account where you can save for a down payment for a home. And in the meantime, the budget coach might be working with you to improve your credit score or just help you with your monthly budget. And in that process, you're able to purchase a home. And down the line, you're finding it's cold and there's some drafts. And so you're (laughs) going to reach back out to our weatherization services and apply for that program. And we're going to come and help your home be safer and healthier. And chances are, as we get to know you, we're going to say, hey, would you like uh, to serve on our board of directors? Because (laughs) um, We're always looking for people that are utilizing our services.
1: What a engage somebody to be a part of the organization and to serve at that level but all along the way in that journey i feel like they're being helped by just wonderful people who also have stake in the community too and it's not this big impersonal situation it's people caring about people but you are doing real things Mm -hmm. and providing as much as possible is that too much of a unfair assessment
2: No, I appreciate that because that's the approach that we're working hard to make sure that we achieve every time is coming alongside is really we're coming alongside and we're asking, you know, what do you need? How can we help?
0: Yeah, I always hear you say the wraparound services. Mm-hmm. We have such a huge variety of programs. You might not jump from one to the other right away, but I have a great story. So I actually attended Head Start when I was, you know, four through NMCAA. Um, and now here I am working at NMCAA. And I know my mom sent me a thing where she said, Remember when you were in Head Start? I went to this. Well, i not obviously, I couldn't remember. I was four, but <laughs> she sent me a um, a paper and she's like, I still have this typed up. Paper of I went to a financial management meeting when I, when you were in Head Start and I still have the paper in the back of my budget book and I was like you're kidding me <laughs> she does you never she, told me that she I, does yeah I'll have to tell I'll have yeah. to give you, show you the picture but it yeah. was
2: funny when like two weeks into the job and we were talking yeah. and found out that you had been in one of the Head Start classrooms and then like going back which one who was yeah. the teacher at that time and kind of yeah you know um
0: so I mean it, at the history you you know every phase in life you you don't have to be searching for, you know, anything specific or be in poverty, you, just looking for help and, and trying to better yourself and your neighbors. I think that's the coolest thing about what we do at NMCAA. So, I love that story. And it's yeah. yeah looking
2: for help, looking to help. It's just supporting each other and yeah. trying to lift each other up and improve lives. So yeah.
0: Well, Carrie, thank you again for joining us today. It was awesome to learn more about NMCAA and the services we offer through all of our programming. And Ryan, thank you for being our co-host on our very first episode of The Collective Us.
1: Thank you. I continue to uh, be inspired and learn from you all.
0: (laughs) And so as we continue the podcast, we'd like to share community stories regarding NMCAA. If you have a story you'd like to share about how NMCAA has impacted your life, like it's impacted mine, send us an email at collectiveuspodcast at nmcaa.net. And join us next time as we dive into the Meals on Wheels program and meet one of our many volunteers. If you'd like to learn more about Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency or the programs we offer or would like to make a donation, we encourage you to reach out at 231-947-3780 or visit our website, nmcaa.net. And to our listeners today, we encourage you to continue to strive each day to do something to help yourself or your neighbors.